Welcome back for a look at some of those hilarious bloopers! This week we take a look at no less than 10 single mothers trying to support their disrespectful progeny on a minimum wage salary and getting stiffed by their dismal health care insurance company on top of it. Uh, Bob, Bob. What? That, I'm doing what I always do. Uh, it's, it's too real. It is only funny if it's too like real. yeah. It's only funny if it's like over the top stuff that doesn't happen to everyone. Like this is like a wait, wait, wait. play wait, so, of the working man. So it's okay to watch three busloads of grandmas falling off a cliff or seeing a coked out <laughs> man punt a five year old over yeah, a house. Yeah, yeah, you got it. But this is too much. This is too much. We're here to make people happy, Bob. <sighs> well then. Coming up next, a D-list celebrity turned talk show host grapples with the moral hypocrisy of his entire career, then drowns his sorrows in as much bottom shelf moonshine as his expense account will allow. Now that's relatable. That, that was my idea. That, yep, there you go. <laughs> the trick was finding out how tragic was too tragic right. to make the joke without it also being too tragic to put it in the podcast. It's, it's got to be right up against the line. <laughs> it do. It's a craft. It's, um, it's not a, you know, not always the obvious thing. Uh, yeah, well, that that is the case for our intro. It is not the case for this show, which is uh, more of a throw it at the wall and see what sticks approach. You see some progression over time, but yeah, there's there it their line is in a different place than ours would be. <laughs> I mean, you see progression in the way that like a a, a cyst is progressive, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, is well, that too relatable? That was too relatable again. Right. <laughs> that was too real. It could have okay. been worse. More. So I'm gonna more take nut that as punches. A All right. Uh, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Carton Cast. My name is Ben. My name is Zane. And you're watching... Uh, Six Ad World. Six Ad World. That is really similar to the vibe that I... <laughs> that's really... It's really close, dude. Right. If reality TV was in fantasy worlds. This is the podcast... This is the Carton Cast, where we review old cartoons to see what we think of them as adults, some of which are still running today. Shocking picked up for a 12th season mm -hmm. in the 23rd of our lord <laughs> yeah what if uh what if the carton cast was totally different eh eh, eh? <laughs> and if that's not hitting you we have exactly one other joke in the barrel <laughs> which is over the top violence for shock comedy yeah what if we got hit in the nuts <laughs> listen as long as you mix up the formula every now and again mm -hmm. Yeah, if I'll take any percentage of that. Yeah, uh, just a guy getting hit in the nuts, not funny. Mario getting hit in the nuts, funny. Uh, and he has to say something. Ah, my Koopa Troopas. <laughs> that, it's perfect. And you actually just made it. Right a, in the Goombas. <laughs> you actually just made it a pretty decent, like, you know, in between the actual sketches, little quickie segments. Yeah, well, that's what they would do. They would, like, brainstorm a million of them and then, like, go around, like, 
like just like uh, subjecting each idea to the crowd and whatever made it through the filter like that. No, was no, 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 no. <laughs> Not whatever made it through the filter. Everything made it through the filter. And then some of them were five seconds long and then some of them were a minute long. Right. Rinse right. and them, repeat. You could probably do the Mario one a few times and each time he says a different Mario enemy because they're all kind of spheroid. They are. I mean, they have to be, you know, just by the nature of the tech back at that time. But um, <laughs> they didn't have modern graphics to lovingly render Mario's ball. <laughs> if only. <laughs> Which we all, they would have done it. My galaxies one and two. <laughs> they came up with a second Mario galaxy, they right? Did, they did. Okay, I like good. That. That's good. very clever. Thanks. <laughs> um, yeah, we're watching Robot Chicken today. Yeah. This is a, a nominally a sketch comedy show with a twist. Yeah. Uh, what's the twist exactly? The twist. If you had is, to define it, I would say that this is a bit of an it's a kadoozy. Show notes. There's many twists in this popsicle. <laughs> um, right. This isn't kablam. Where you kablam get... is our big <laughs> reference point going off mm-hmm. of because the thing you had in kablam for those who don't remember, was a lazy framing device. They abandoned that here. Um, <laughs> and you just have a, a, a clip show of like four or five odd things, a couple of which are good and the rest of which are non-offensive filler. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the ways in which it's similar. The ways in which it is different is they commit to a specific animation style, which is, let's let's take either toys or legos or action figures or whatever else and we're just gonna do stop motion on that you, you okay zane yeah my my camera is taped on because i don't know where the yeah the it's kind of amazing the way went yeah so i have to reapply the tape good. good i didn't think to get new tape the question is does this get cut or is this relegated to the 10 second skip bin I feel. I think this is the intro. If if Zane, if there's any show where we leave it all in, with like the camera clicking noise from Prometheus and Bob, Ooh, yeah. th- this is the one. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, it looks like Prometheus and Bob, right? This is this is stop motion. They, I think those were claymation. This is those um, were like ca- action the, figures. Mostly, it's action figures. The point so this is, this is Action League now. It's very close to Action League now with Prometheus and Bob style cuts and stop motion. Uh, yeah. With occasional claymation. There is some. The thing is, um, that's, I, I, I don't have the terminology to describe that it is doing both less and more than Kablam animation-wise, because although everything is either action figures or Legos, so they're kind of narrowing focus to a mm-hmm. specific animation style. But there is intent there, because a lot of this, the draw of this show is... We've, we've got two jokes to tell. One of them, stomping Mario in the... in in the um, He's reaching for one. What's he going to end up with? Because the best one is Koopa Troopas. You already said it. Oh, <laughs> uh, what are those spiky guys called? Oh, probably something racist in Italian. <laughs> in the mushrooms, let's say. In the magic mushrooms. That's sure. something different. In the super mushrooms. That's almost perfect. Yeah. Um... That's the that's the first kind of joke. Mm-hmm. And the second kind of joke is that it's Mario and 
Sin City mashed together. Right, right. Which is hitting you in the referential. Like, that, that, it's... The specific intent of the action figures and the old-style animation and, and Legos and, and old toys is because it's... One of the two types of jokes that it does is, look at this stuff from our childhood, let's mess around with it a bit, and that works pretty good on me. Mm-hmm. Like, it... it I, I remember... Do you remember when we were talking about the He-Man episode, the CKY... Um, uh, Beastman Skeletor. Beastman Skeletor. Uh, yeah, yeah. Song like it's it's very similar to that style of intention, but then you just all of the childhood, you know, yeah. get GI it, Joes, get Transformers in there. It's very specifically early '80s for a lot of it, and then well, some yeah. modern pop culture references that are um, a little little they, less they, relatable. They they have a good spread uh, for for context. The show is a is a series of vignettes with these action figures uh, that have been specially modified. They make a ton of these. And like you say, the sketches are usually somebody gets hurt uh, or we're mixing two things together or there's some dark comedy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the breadth of the pop culture references and the depth thereof uh, is kind of impressive. Like they, they, they're they scraping a lot of barrels. Um, they are. And you also, I don't know if you got this in this feeling, but like, I got the feeling like there was some real reverence toward the source material. Mm-hmm. Like, these are people who grew up with Transformers. You don't make that many dick jokes about Optimus Prime unless <laughs> you grew up with Transformers in your in your mind. That and That is a thing that came through the production. Um, you, I don't know if you agree you, with that. Did you see what happened with Optimus Prime getting uh, cancer? Getting prostate cancer? Yeah, he, he, he transformed into a coffin on, the de- on his deathbed. I no, believe. no, do you know what happened in real life with him? Oh, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, so after that sketch came out, the American Cancer Society, like, got a ton of donations. Or, or no, they got, like, the most web traffic they had gotten in years. No, come on. And they on. asked if Optimus Prime could be the face of prostate cancer. <laughs> and but, but that actual thing is owned by Hasbro, so that's a no-go. <laughs> no! <laughs> that's... that's... Have we fallen so far, America? <laughs> I think it's amazing. So that's that's the other thing. The reverence, the craft, the intentionality, and the consistency in this product is actually really impressive. It's impressive. It doesn't always hit me very well. It's not for you. It's for it's for people who are high. This is this is an adult swimish. That's right? true. Right? We, we've seen that's this true. kind of uh, uh, throw it all at the wall, see what it sticks. Don't be afraid to go past the boundaries. We, we've yeah. seen this aesthetic before, right? We have. But um, in terms of just, like, they made it way harder on themselves than they needed to, <laughs> I have to yeah. respect it. I have to respect it as well. I'm a little um, torn in giving it my full-throated endorsement simply because oh, yeah. it's also tainted with the stink of early aughts, um, crass, uh, uh, taboo comedy. Yeah. Like, the only thing that I could think of whenever somebody was just assaulted by another something in this show i i recognize that that's a a source of cheap humor is like uh, legos are beating each other up right there's versions of that animation that does not buffer it enough for me and i could only think of the family guy episode where stewie shoots brian and that's supposed to be the laugh line right yeah like it's it the feeling is very similar to that we're edgy just for the sake of being edgy and that's 
all there is to it. So this is a really interesting show because it doesn't have, like, there's no characters per se, right? There's no progression, and yet mm-hmm. you can dis- you can you can uh, distinguish between early episodes and late ones because the early ones were made in 2005, and the later ones really were made last leaned year. heavily on the Daniel Tosh of it all. Yeah, oh, T- Tosh and Cook. Um, oh yeah, but yeah, so it's Brothers it's in Crime. It's Adult Swim's longest-running series uh, since Venture Bros got canceled. Yeah, did not realize that. It was created by Mike Senrake, then editor at the magazine Toy Fair. So he had a ton of access to action figures and a oh, reference man. thereof. The mind reels of, of like the buddy comedy of him and Seth Green like doing a, a, a fucking midnight dumpster raid at his <laughs> like at his day job like at the day like, old bagels like out in the yes, dumpster <laughs> exactly like that scene from fight club where they're grabbing the fat outside this liposuction clinic yeah, <laughs> but it's just I, like I it's love just like gi joes and my little ponies well here's the thing if the if they came like defective from the factory that works better for their for their sketches right oh it's yeah like, they, oh, they dude, come this my little melt pony. man <laughs> this this my little pony has six legs oh great that, that put it right Fucking on dibs um, yeah, so Seth Green, um, noted actor from uh, Austin Powers and Family Guy, he originated the idea by by making a sketch in preparation for an interview with Conan O'Brien uh, using those action figures, and they went on to make a short web series in 2001 called Sweet J Presents, uh, and then they got a pitch for Adult Swim thanks to uh, Seth MacFarlane, the other Family Guy. Um, yeah, and so they've just the, sort of the sets. Yeah, uh, and they've been doing this. They've done eleven seasons so far, with twelfth on the way. They've done a Star Wars special. They've done a DC Comics special. A lot of these the are Star actually Wars pretty highly regarded. They, they yeah, the Star Wars special actually, I remember fondly. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think I watched all of it, but like, it was. Look, there's so much in the tank of Star Wars lore. There's been jokes being made about Anakin for decades now. Yeah. They, they it's actually, time somebody like really took a bat to that horse and just beat it until all the laughs came out. Uh, they actually um, yeah. put out their Star Wars special around the same time that Family Guy put out their Star Wars special. And I remember. Seth Green voices Chris. He was like going back and forth between productions to make sure the jokes didn't overlap. I I I realized that I didn't realize that Seth Green voiced Chris. When I did, I also picked up this tidbit from the um, from his Wikipedia page which is that uh, Seth Green stated that his main inspiration for Chris's voice came from envisioning how Buffalo Bill would sound if he were speaking through a PA system at McDonald's. <laughs> well, that's horrible, and I can hear it now. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And now and you never, never can't unhear it. Yeah. Yeah, but, um, you know, there there is a craft. So I think a lot of what we're going to be talking about today is the nature of mashup and reference humor and how mm-hmm. this show does it differently from other shows. You know, your family guys, your animaniacs to a degree, right? Like, yeah, there's there's a distinctiveness to Robot Chicken that has allowed it to endure um, beyond just its in-your-face attitude. Yeah, and that the, the in-your-face attitude, I, I don't want to... It does get better with time. Like, there's less of a emphasis on violence equals comedy mm-hmm. in those early se- seasons. I don't want to overwrite that entirely. It's definitely there, and I couldn't muster a laugh for any episode that I watched in the first, like, five seasons. Yeah, so the early seasons, you will get sketches where they'll just, like, call someone the arsler and then just beat them with a pipe. Yep. And then 
then the mid seasons you get just like okay we're making fun of survivor like the tv show and then late seasons i saw an episode where they did a, a pastiche of like pirates of dark water with like the characters lovingly recreated in the style no way and they were in like Flint, Michigan, where the the water is continuing. Oh with my lead. god! And it's a social commentary. So they no, just that's keep... fucking brilliant. They're, 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 the punching... there was social commentary in Pirates of Dark Water. Yeah. So the punching has gone from down to up, and it's only taken like seventeen years. They're like cicadas. I honestly, that's that's quicker than a lot of comedians, <laughs> you know, come to come to realizations. A lot of comedians end up going the other way. It seems. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I appreciate that Green has sort of um m- twisted him his his career into a pretzel that uh resembles a reverse chapelle that yeah. is nice to me you you've mentioned the first 5 seasons are really difficult uh the first time that they had women in the writers room was season 6 <laughs> there it is <laughs> hey guys we got we, it we figured it out i'm going to just give you an example and yeah. then we can drop it because it's not the more interesting part but a lot of people don't remember quite how terrible the violence as comedy thing was in the early aughts remember super jail uh, the super jail at least had like a etheric kind of madhouse <laughs> vibe to it it was willy wonka it's okay to murder children if he's wearing a purple suit yeah i mean i mean i would if if gene wilder shot a kid in fifth <laughs> avenue I don't think he'd lose his position in the as the board of directors. Do you? <laughs> what were um, you gonna say? Who, who the fuck knows? Um, no, let me just give an example of the kind of humor that they leaned on pretty heavily for those first few seasons. They're doing a Tarzan Jane thing. Sure. You gotta like a Tarzan action figure with googly eyes. <laughs> like, it's good out the box, right? Right. We've already succeeded. They're talking at each other in some resemblance of how the movie Tarzan and Jane interacted, but the subtitles are all, you know, the text is ooga ooga, and the subtitle is, what are those things? And Mm -hmm. the gorilla friend says, oh, those are boobs. Tarzan like boobs. And you're just coming out as ooga ooga. We're fine so far. Everything's fine. Mm -hmm. It gets to a point where Tarzan and the gorilla get drunk. Also fine. Uh, (laughs) And then... Apropos of nothing, the gorilla slaps Tarzan in the face because they're mad drunks. I clocked it at 28 seconds of Tarzan falling down and hitting a bunch of trees. 28 seconds is an enormous amount of time. (laughs) Oh, yeah. To watch a cartoon without dialogue, jokes, or plot to draw attention. It is simply the joke of... How long are they going to drag this out? It is exactly the Family Guy chicken fight, but with less yeah. variety. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will stop beating that drum now. Just recognize that that is a lot of the early seasons. Yeah, the the there is a distinction that like there's a difference in quality between the concept and execution in a lot of these sketches. And the longer the sketch goes, the more execution you're going to see. Um, yeah. So like a lot of times. The concept is better than the execution, right? So, like, um, I was watching an interview about the production process, and there's there's a whiteboard in the back with some sketches, and my mind gives me better vision of what than they could actually do. So, starting points such as quiet place Urkel, amazing. What's under Abraham Lincoln's hat? 
you you don't this is these are golden ideas zane are you afraid of the darker (laughs) (laughs) and one that just said more horses (laughs) like if if i told you Uh... there was a sketch about rapping barbie and then i told you oh it goes on for two minutes and they exhaust the barbie lore Dude, there's a sketch about rappers teaching the theory of relativity to an elementary school class. Great. And I don't want to actually see it. I it's good. It's <laughs> actually good. Really? Yeah, and they actually have their shit together. Like they they say the the actual theory of relativity correctly. <laughs> like That's there impressive. is good execution on good concept. Uh I don't know if it always hits that mark, but like these ideas are bangers out of the box. Those mm-hmm. are great. Yeah. Um, More horses and... is great. Like, I love a contextless <laughs> whiteboard. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's part of their, um, you know, part of their creative process with just tons of idea creation and brainstorming. Uh, we, had a, we had a technique back when I was teaching called Think, Pair, Share. The idea is you're posed a question or a problem. You work on it yourself for a bit. You talk to your partner and you you share ideas and see, you know, oh, do they make more sense? Are we both on the same page? And then you talk as a group and figure it out from there. Um, and it, it does a lot more in terms of, like, working through the thought process and getting the best ideas because you're not, like, just coming in with a concept. And because that first instinct, if everybody has the same first instinct, there's nowhere to go. Yeah. No, that's a I, – I do really like the back and forth – you can almost see the writer's room on this one, yeah. and it's very satisfying to be like, Optimus Prime prostate cancer. Like, I, what was that conversation <laughs> like? And you're like, it was probably pretty good. <laughs> you know, there was probably a good 20 minutes of improv behind that. We just don't get to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I had, uh, just so that we can kind of peel back before we dive into these specifics uh i want to talk about my experiences with robot chicken oh yeah you you have a history i i do not have much of a history but i had enough of a history to recognize that there was the star wars thing that we were going to get action figures and that there was that family guy chicken fight sequence violence to it so i went in with like medium hopes um because i watched the first few season episodes first those hopes were pretty immediately dashed. I had written a lot of uh, a, a lot of salty notes mm-hmm. about this show, and then I watched some of the later seasons, and I sort of dipped out of that and started seeing them really craft a more honest type of comedy than I think they originally set out to do. Mm-hmm. Like the like the. The joke of um, what happens when, like, Siler from Heroes gets a really shitty power <laughs> is, like, or, or when he, like, tries to take the powers from a from a fake magician. Like, uh-huh. you, you start to see that, oh, they just, these are just nerds that like TV and they're sharing their dumb conversations with me. Right. And it was at that point that I really started to enjoy what I was watching. What once I felt like they were communicating with me on a personal level and not as a member of the lowest common denominator. What was that show where it was so important to us that it was like 
kind of for us specifically, and that made a big difference. I can't remember what we were watching, but like there's this thing with niche programming that really buys you a lot of goodwill. Uh-huh. And this is all referencing stuff that we have talked about on the Carton cast. Yeah, and and like you say, the more recent seasons, it's not like they're only hitting modern pop culture. They're going back throughout they're the game. They're still they're still talking about G.I. Joes in and like so, for 11 straight seasons. So the obvious jokes are all gone. They have to work harder. <laughs> um, Dude, I just watched an, a, a thing of, uh, I just watched a mashup of Duck Hunt um, being met with uh, assorted revenge from the terror that flaps in the night himself, Darkwing mm-hmm. Duck. Uh, at which point the hunter starts shooting at Darkwing Duck, at Launchpad McQuack, at, yep. at, DuckTa- at all the DuckTales characters. Like, that could have been done in the first season. It just wasn't because they weren't yet communicating with me as a person. They were communicating with me as a member of the people who watch Adult Swim. Does, is, right. that make, is, is my point getting across so, at all? So it's kind of like what we see in modern YouTube, right? Where a lot of things are much more narrow-casted, and so the parasocial relationships develop more strongly. Yeah. People are aiming at a specific audience, but they also want a wide viewership. So the, there, there is a bit of onboarding, unless you're just limiting yourself to, to your audience. Adult Swim, sure. they know... The only people who are already watching Adult Swim are into this type of humor, right? It, it's pre-selecting your audience, yeah. Because if because if you show this to other people, like they're not going to have the same pop culture references necessarily. Uh, let, let me let me see if I can um, kind of retape explain. your camera to your yeah, well, let me, monitor let me real quick. Camera one more time. Well, you see the the front part has Act older two. Tape. Zane <laughs> makes desperate readjustments while <laughs> while while trying to contain a con- uh, okay. continue a conversation. If you don't mind looking kind of down my shirt, I think that's going to be a more stable position. I don't know how to, how season three of you. I don't know how to buy a amount without getting just a whole nother camera. There's days where I'm like, can this computer problem be resolved with a hammer and a nail? <laughs> Can this computer problem be resolved by Zane? <laughs> and the answer is usually no. That's a tricky one. It took it, it. It was like pulling teeth, telling you to buy a big boy computer for a long time. <laughs> you wanted to run it into a ground like a fucking '70s sedan. In Tiny Toon Adventures, yes, Buster Bunny, Indiana Jones hat. Everybody's seen Indiana Jones. All he's doing is swinging from the whip, grabbing the hat from underneath the thing, maybe making a few self-referential jokes. Yeah. Adult Swim or, or, or Robot Chicken, they're much more specific. Um, they do a um, they do they did a, like a series of things for Nintendo for an E3 presentation mm-hmm. for some reason, <laughs> and they had a, a sketch where Reggie Fizeme, the then president of nintendo of america has a press conference and somebody asks him about mother three that's not a joke for everybody (laughs) that's a joke for me (laughs) oh man you might as well ask miyamoto about waluigi and smash uh oh yeah Uh, time time for the weekly ask for waluigi god damn that's a very funny joke to that specific niche though 
Yes. And, and let me follow this train of thought a little bit farther, because Robot Chicken grew to beyond its base, I, I'm willing to say. Like, it mm-hmm. wasn't just the initial Aqua Teen Hunger Force crowd or Family Guy crowd that watched it. Like, it was, it was pretty popular for long enough that it started you know grappling through osmosis to the youtube communities and whatnot oh yeah stop motion is way bigger now in part because of it because they show like hey this is a thing that you can do that can be done quality enough that people will watch it so let's posit this we've already kind of talked about the 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 first type of joke that this show can do which is like the violence comedy shit we're over that second kind of joke referential humor and mixed media um the referential humor would all work on its base because as you said it's bought in we were already watching family guy it was all the same stuff by the time it got into its later seasons and was like had a little bit more broad appeal and was kind of reaching toward other non-quite adult swim edgy teen audience Mm -hmm. i think that a lot of the references to 80s cartoons probably didn't hit as well and that leads me to this question and i want you to really kind of think on it how well did the references that you got worked how well did the reference you references you didn't get work when you watched them in this show because that had to be a good amount of the viewership in those later seasons i mean references that i didn't get or references that weren't for me specifically uh either question because like there there were sketches about like some Disney princesses or something where they were, you know, oh, let's take a look at Anna and Elsa's mom and dad, their their dead parents up in heaven going to a rave. It's not for me. I, I understand. Y- the you madness. understand the reference. Yeah. I've been here. I'm trying to think of things that I haven't seen before. You know, the G.I. Joe hard. stuff. The G.I. Joe stuff I hadn't seen for a long time. And then I see them and it's, you know, it's. It's exactly what I would expect it to be after the fact. That's a unique situation because you already knew what G.I. Joe's was before having seen G.I. Joe. I, but I think... So this is this is sort of a like place and time thing where yeah. when I was younger and knew fewer references, I would have to deal with not knowing references when watching stuff, right? Where I would... Uh, just be flipping through and like Comedy Central they had that little Bush show and Hillary Clinton and Nancy Pelosi oh show boy up and say, little Condoleezza Rice yeah, yeah. This, it, that was a wild time and I'm just like I don't know who they are I know through context what they're doing that's enough but I'm not laughing for yeah, many reasons well that was also a bad show and we, I think Zane, we, by the way, I'm just going to throw this idea into the future. We have to do one of those bad political cartoon shows. I, I, I hate this I know. energy you're bringing into the world. No, 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 no. Zane, I, I'm going to hate it too. Can we, we have to do it? Team America World Police at least? <laughs> we just did Robot Chicken. It's the same thing. <laughs> okay, let's take, a high, let's take a quick break and watch through Team America and come back. <laughs> um, yeah, but, but I think I'm at an age... And, you know, being a white man in America, media is aimed at me automatically. Almost exclusively, yeah. It's been a long time since I've had to deal with a reference that I didn't already recognize or at least gain through context because it's an archetype I'm familiar with, right? Like, yeah, I just don't like if I if I'm watching, uh, you know, a, a talk show host and they reference something that the kids are into these days. 
Oh, the yeah. The joke is that the kids are into it, and I get that because I've been there. And, you know, we're internet enough to recognize the Fortnite floss dance when we yeah. see it. Like, it's... it's We're not... A lot of those the dances same... would be so cool if they weren't Fortnite dances. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. The, the floss dance is, is remarkably similar to the d- fake dance I made up in high school. And yeah. I, I, uh, I you blame royalties. Seriously. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it's slightly different, but it's related to, like, I remember when my parents started being like, what the hell's going on with SNL? You know? Mm-hmm. I remember when that happened, when my mom was like, I don't even get this. This just isn't funny. I'm like, oh, yeah, it probably hasn't been funny for years. But they, <laughs> it was at least not funny in a way that you appreciated or had, like, had context for, had the correct context for. Sure. Um, and, yeah, I, I'm, let me, the, let me, the, let me try to throw the mind a little, uh, I, no, I've got, I've got the, so many different thoughts. So the, you, the you take the helm again. <clears throat> The reference pool here pretty nicely overlaps with an online teen or, you know, media-savvy young adult. Um, But it's not 100% gen pop, right? Like... Well, no, but because it's it's created by, like, 40-something comedians, which is, like, they're not going to be gen pop. But here's the thing. A lot of other reference-heavy shows are going to be completely... You know, you, you watch Animaniacs. Animaniacs will do the Superman poll. Everybody knows Superman. Robot Chicken will pull the Dark Side poll, which is more interesting, and we haven't seen it as much. A lot of people know Dark Side. Not everybody. Right. And you could get through context of the scene that this guy is a motherfucker who hates Look, look at this big guy. <laughs> yeah. It, it's all there. Remember the the thing that I was thinking about earlier, the thing that was like aimed at us specifically mm-hmm. and that bought them something, the legendary frog videos when we oh, were doing yeah. our um our flash animation kind of That's thing, right. which is like this would not be good at all and would that have popularity at all, except that it is hey, they're talking about a thing that I like and know. Mm-hmm. This kind of does that some of the time, but also has enough comedic craft to it that you don't really need to exactly understand the reference um uh, do you and think it's... the fact that it's not its standalone video but a sketch show means that you can miss on some of those yes very um, important and it's, it's all about what percentages is, is it acceptable to miss and still have a viewership and i think that it's actually remarkably high in this show because the animation is interesting enough that there's something, there's a there's a safety net if the references fail for me. Right, the the action of it is cohesive and uh, alluring. Right, it's 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 enjoyable. It's simple enough to be understandable and complex enough to be interesting. Uh, and I don't kind care of all the time. I don't care if you do understand the Sin City, uh, or what was it? Virtue City uh, is what they did for this this little. There, there was a little snippet where they like did the. Um, I don't remember if it was Marv segment or Hardigan, but like he starts monologuing to himself in the manner of like a three pack a day Sin City guy, and he's like, "Start off by brushing my teeth. I always remember to floss. <laughs> only keep the teeth you only floss the teeth you want to keep. That's a joke a dentist would always say to me." I always liked it. You know, it just, yeah. like, I don't really care if you get the reference to Sin City. There's something comedically inherent in that scene. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that is, I think, 
that lifts this from a fail to a pass, if anything, is that when the reference fails, it's not it's not a load bearing reference. Right. There's show underneath it that is still enjoyable for the casual cartoon watching audience. That's huge. And especially because a lot of it is mashups of references, right? You're getting combinations. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time you get at least half of it. You get at least half, right. Um, I'm, I'm curious because of the time that Robot Chicken came to be, 2005, it sort of hit around the same time that internet like era, like YouTube um, creators were, were also starting off. And, and, and that as a system of like, oh, I watched this video. Maybe I'll like this video. It's the same kind of curation yeah. uh, on, on a faster scale. And I'm wondering, like, do you think that it was successful because this was where the culture was at the time? Or do you think that, just like at like both happened because we've hit a level of pop culture awareness where nobody can watch everything, so everybody has to be used to being able to pick up context from anything. It's a really interesting situation. You probably have seen this happen with, let's say, the earlier seasons of The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Like they had a lot of comedy writers that were you know fired in the crucible and then when you get to the later seasons comedy is decidedly different because it's fewer writers that's a little different than this because the nice thing about robot chicken is that there is a and i don't know if this answers your question if it doesn't please pose it to me again because i already had a half-baked thought and this is clearly just a continuation of that as opposed oh i I have one for when you're done talking i'm just waiting perfect um (laughs) Robot Chicken is kind of nice because it was in an era where it, I don't know how much, you know, Seth and the others were, like, watching the marketing trends on, like, who watches this, mm-hmm. what, you know, what, what, what should we them? market to, that was a joke that happened in Robot Chicken, I think I just saw, um, <laughs> there's, there seems to be this push and pull of viewership and writer that maybe didn't really happen before the YouTube era. Yeah. You know, you were kind of mat you were you were creating for mass syndication, right? right? Um you weren't really polling the audience to see what worked well. I mean, Shira only got created due to like heavy marketing research. Now, you don't even have to do the research. It kind of comes to you. And I think that maybe as Robot Chicken kind of progressed and viewer... I think they were kind of training their viewership to like more Robot Chicken, but also Robot Chicken was sort of drawing from that audience's collective reference pool in order to make future jokes. Like, I, yeah. I think that there's some sort of synergy going on behind the, the scenes there, there. There is a degree of keeping your finger on the pop culture pulse, there is also just the benefit of a long-running series. You bring in new writers. Those new writers have seen your old stuff and have their own stuff that maybe they've had brewing for a while. I, I remember reading a book about the creation of uh, Seinfeld and mm. how you know so many of those plot lines are based on the real lived experiences of just like weird shit happening to people. Yeah, and they would turn over pretty much their whole writing staff season to season because they would run out of those fun stories and need new people with new stories 
some what of if whom every came time on because they went... saw Seinfeld and they're like, oh shit, they got to hear about this. If every time you went to a Thanksgiving dinner, you just got a new family Ooh. so that they can all tell new stories. <laughs> like speed dating, but for Thanksgiving. <laughs> speed I, Thanksgiving. <laughs> Dude, we have a fucking robot chicken episode now. Like that could <laughs> easily be a segment. Yeah, it's like, oh man, nobody wants to adopt these teens, but also. <laughs> and credit where credit is due, it is easy. Like, how long have has Family Guy kind of gone the Zombie Simpsons route of just, like, being mired in the same jokes that it's always been telling? Long enough that I don't even check. Exactly. I just assume. <laughs> of course, you have to. But, like... When would I have seen Family Guy in the last ten years? Uh, at the end of a barrel of a gun, probably. <laughs> um, but, like... You have to give credit to the writing staff to be like, we don't want to do this thing that was successful for the past four seasons. Mm -hmm. Let's mutate. Let's create. Let's 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 air. Let's course correct as this show kind of evolves. Mm -hmm. And like it worked out well in this case because it ditched some of the more odious aspects and kind of gripped onto some of the more modern sensibilities of how to make comedy while never sacrificing the references to the 80s cartoons that probably appealed to its viewership in the first place like it's just a very it's kind of a brave decision for a successful show to do to say we need to continue growing we need to we need to figure out how to how to not just keep pace but outstrip ourselves and there is um a charisma and a confidence that comes with being willing to take a big swing and a miss rather than playing it safe. Agreed. Uh, and because of that, like when comparing this to Inanimaniacs or Tiny Toons, both assume familiarity with the pop culture reference. This is more visceral. And because it is hitting harder when it does hit, it breeds a, a, a loyalty and it breeds an energy that has allowed it to persist. I want to give you a line that I wrote down because it hit me so well. <laughs> and it was it was specifically the delivery you're talking about. I'm excited. Which is like this well, this very unashamed, I'm going to just say this as though it's a normal sentence that everyone's gonna understand. Uh-huh. Even though it's like it's like pretty ridiculous. So <laughs> see if I can remember the plot line. There's there's been a Lego mutation, okay? The Lego <laughs> <laughs> so, there's these mutant Legos, these zombie Legos running around that are not trademarked, uh, that <laughs> that they're almost identical to Legos, but are subtly different. And the scientist that's trying to explain this is, it's like, it's like when you, you sit on your hand and it falls asleep. You try to pretend it's flow from the progressive commercials giving you an HJ, but you know it isn't. You know that. She'd never be so clumsy, so artless. <laughs> And it's a Lego talking about this with like its little hook hands. It's so good. <laughs> that that's <laughs> Yeah, so that No there's no like <laughs> floundering or like hesitation at all. It's the 
he's talking as though not only will the audience <laughs> understand it, but everyone else in the room. Everyone will um, agree. <laughs> and like, there's army army generals there that are yeah. like, <laughs> oh yeah, saying, yeah, HJ. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're all like saying goodbye to their hands as though they're different like mascots. <laughs> goodbye, Geico Gecko. Goodbye, girl from Wendy's. <laughs> Lines like that show both a like clearly most of it was fully formed just like some guy had a great idea and then they also crafted it right to make sure that it hit right um, they, they, they that put a place where it fit where it could deliver maximum efficiency and it it it, it instills this feeling kind of like you're drunk like if you're at a you know having a conversation or having like a small like get together and people are drinking and somebody says something that doesn't make sense, but they got the confidence, they got the swagger, they you put just, some fun words together. Everyone's like, you, yeah, you, you just have to agree. You have yeah. to agree as though this is a normal thought that everyone has had. And so, <laughs> but when you see that without drunkenness, it can be very funny to watch. <laughs> like, there's it, like the this show one line the in drunkenness. Well, what what was it? It's it's like a line in Rick and Morty where there's a bunch of, um, uh, uh different like uh, it's like a the planet of Ricks where there's just like a bunch of different versions of Morty. Yeah, and they're trying to plan an escape by going to this wishing well, and like a couple of them say normal wishes, and then one of them goes like, "I want the um bigotry for, or I I want the the stigma to be unattached to incest porn." Is that uh, is that only me? Am I the only one saying that? Okay, I mean, like, it's not for me. You know, it's just it's just a thing that I thought. I don't know. It's, and like, that, that can be really funny. <laughs> like the notion that somebody is talking as though everyone gets it, right? <laughs> and then there's an immediate wait. Nobody got it. But <laughs> and it's it's the opposite of that awkward feeling where you have to explain a joke and a reference to like a parent, right? Um, yeah, like everyone's on board, and, and you because everyone's on board in the scene, you also get the feeling like most of the writers have had a thought like that. Yes, might not have been a serious one, <laughs> but it was like a concept that they kind of grappled with. There's some real you you get the feeling like the writers are understanding you on a deeper level, and that that's very worthwhile. It, it builds up a momentum. Flow from progressive <laughs> as the go to is. Oh, dynamite. <laughs> because it's a reference everyone knows because everybody gets exposed to commercials. It's a decidedly non-sexy reference. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's for some people. I, it's no, for just some. me? I don't know. I'm not it's, here to kink shame. It's for it's for other people. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not asking for myself. I just think it's kind of kind of a shame. Saying. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so I want to mention um, the fact that they are doing a lot of references to celebrities and real people and things that seemingly should get them in legal trouble can uh, explain specifics to me because i do not know i didn't take note of many of the celeb uh so this happens in any show where they start with like a disclaimer saying like this is intended to be parody the people and names are fictitious right like yeah like we all know what's going on here it wasn't that disclaimer at the top of this show. Yeah, yeah. Any na- actual names or likenesses of celebrities are used in a fictitious and parodic manner. Yeah, Paris Hilton isn't actually, uh, you know, a ghost Barbie. Buster. Yeah, isn't actually a <laughs> Ghostbuster. It doesn't actually have four discernible joints. 
<laughs> so apparently to avoid legal trouble first off they have two teams of lawyers and every joke has to make it through both teams no way really so that's how they've never been sued over any of the stuff they're putting in here that's incredible right because i would cause have thought if, that just like it wouldn't be worth the trouble <laughs> yeah it it seems like it wouldn't be but you know you're you're probably making fun of some tetchy people who don't want to see their action figure throwing up for two minutes I, okay, I'll grant you that. The, no, it's starting to come together now. <laughs> to avoid legal trouble, they lean into a definition of parody that involves commentary on character relationships and interactions rather than just random mashups. So the argument is because these are based on character, like character dynamics that do not actually exist, they are parody, not uh, uh, just... Uh, uh, you know, using their likeness. So let me let me see if I can. I want to conjure an example that okay. I think will work well. If Magic Johnson was portrayed uh, as just like a person in a line at the movie theater where the clerk goes insane and rips off his clothes and saying, "Now you're watching my movie," and does like a little song and dance number. Now you're watching my Magic Johnson. The, okay, well, yes. <laughs> that's pretty good. In all honesty, that's pretty good. That would be not okay. But using Magic Johnson in Star Trek, where he's the newest engineer on the bay, mm-hmm. and Scotty is saying, the engine cannot take much more of this, Captain. We'd need somebody to... Be able to throw this spherical ignition <laughs> power ignition power core right into the reactor with no mistake. Yep. Then that could be okay. That you've got it exactly. I've got that. That's almost exactly word for word from the plaque that they have on that lawyer's room, huh? You're not seeing the Kool Aid Man breaking through a wall, saying "Oh yeah," and that's it. You're seeing him break in, knock somebody over, and now you see like three different scenes of a legal battle taking place. About, like, workplace compensation and negligence. (laughs) (laughs) That's... Man, lawsuit culture probably killed a lot more cartoons than we're aware of, huh? It's, it's, you know, it's it's tricky. You have to do a lot of work to make sure you're not running afoul. It's kind of like what Weird Al does, right? He... I don't necessarily fault lawsuit culture for that by the way like i i don't have much of a stake in this game i'm not not either a celebrity nor somebody who uses celebrity likenesses for my own benefit Mm -hmm. but just recognizing that people there's probably a chilling effect there isn't there oh like self-censorship yeah yeah i don't know like it's it's something i don't don't really have a a catalog on yeah i i feel like it's one of those things where uh one, they have developed an internal sense of, of where the line is. And two, life is parody now, so like art can do whatever it wants. Zane, jot this down. Uh, we have Dan on for an extended episode on legality of cartoon... Uh, legality in cartoons. And You're one describing of the Harvey is, Birdman. No, which I don't no, dislike. That's, that, that's cartoons in legality, Zane. <laughs> Uh, but we should have like a long episode on like what the legal troubles that a lot of cartoons get in because we've we've talked about it a good number of times. It's mm-hmm. worth doing. We should definitely do that with Dan. <laughs> um. So uh, we we kind of mushed around our format a bit. There aren't 
characters yeah. to speak of necessarily they're like a couple like mascots that you might recognize like the the robot that humps things i think yeah. was on a cartoon network some, bumper some ner- for a while the nerdy guy seth green yeah. self-insert is probably one of the more recognizables i the only thing i want to point out is the framing device okay uh because for those who don't know robot chicken is named such either because uh, of or in order to accommodate the um the main characters in the intro which the, is the, the name robot chicken comes from a dish from a chinese restaurant they went to oh does it really yeah that's pretty good hey i don't like <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind that but, i kind of um, want to see what it's like yeah where's the robot come in it's like squid disco like i'm sure that's real <laughs> <laughs> the there's a mad scientist he Finds some roadkill outside. He resurrects a chicken. He Frankenstein's it up a bit. Uh, this is done by Les Claypool of Primus, the the, the intro well, music really? for this. <laughs> yeah. It's alive! That's actually Les Claypool's voice, apparently. <laughs> I, I've got a lot to say about the music, but just wait a second. The characters of the mad scientist and the chicken actually, their dynamic in the intro changes from season to season. Yes, in in accordance with them changing from punching down to punching up, the chicken is on top now, baby. It's not merely the chicken is on top. Yes, that is how it starts. He, you know, Ludovico tests the scientists for for a change. It's still rude. Still rude. Don't Don't Ludovico your friends. Only Ludovico your enemies. And I feel like they have a a decent working relationship at this point. Um... (laughs) It doesn't stop there. It just gets more elaborate and ridiculous. Like, I saw them in space. I saw them being defrosted in the mm-hmm. in the future. There's a sense... Like, I like the framing device of... We're making each other watch bad cartoons for eternity. Continuing to be relevant in new and different ways. It's kind of like an amazing microcosm of the show itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and... As far as intros go, like, it's better than a couch gag, but it's in the same vein. Like, there's always, you're not going to get all of it on a first pass, and it's short enough intro that you don't mind sticking around for it, so I like that they have the variety. Yeah, it it, it provides just enough, like, it's not a useless framing device, right? No. If you had to explain to somebody what the show is about, it, it, it onboards you about as well as anything else. Yeah, why, why am I looking at um, Thomas the Tank Engine in a strip club? Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> apparently that was just what was on Channel 2 and 6, okay? <laughs> um, it, it does sort of make you feel like you've changed channels too quick, quick or are superimposing between two different shows. And that's that's similar to the comedy that we found in, in Kablan's Prometheus and Bob, where, like, what we were really making use of in those, like, we're clicking the, the the recording device to skip time, much akin to like dead air or um, the gutter in comic books. Yeah, yeah. And the the comedy comes from the juxtaposition, right? There right. is we were setting up a trap, and now his ass is on fire. And the comedy <laughs> is in that in between. How did the trap set the ass on fire? <laughs> right. The comedy here, the if you let it you be, don't hear. Are the, are the, the most important notes. <laughs> the, the, the comedy here comes from, yes, Thomas the Tank Engine is in a strip club. Seth Green and, and all the other writers had to make that happen. 
why did they make that happen? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Right. So, yeah. like, the comedy being in the gutter and, like, the fact that the intro gives you the framing device to justify the gutter is is kind of genius, I think. Mm-hmm. It, it, it Weird as it like is they, to say. It feels more like they backed into something that happened to work really well, but I'll, I'll give yeah. them credit. <laughs> it I, works. I'll, I'll agree with you there, but um, there's... They, yeah. They do have other characters. Um, I, mostly, it's just like some pop culture figure or some asshole. Um, mm. But the fact that they have to make all of these action figures. So so the process here is actually pretty involved. They they do reuse, of course. Um, they have like, uh, like several different sets of hands that they just swap in and out for all the different hand expressions. Same I thing completely buy that. Um, but like... They make a lot. I think it was like several thousand unique action figures per season, which is insane. <laughs> Remember in Action League now when we were like, somebody's job is to run over the flesh. Yeah. <laughs> this buffy man. Yeah. Uh, and thank you for the context. For some reason, I just assumed that everyone knew who the flesh was. <laughs> Imagine a naked, strong man. Yeah, Glistening. make him Nordic. Hit him, um, hit him with a truck. Hit him with a truck. Somebody's job was to drive that truck. Somebody's drive. Somebody's job is <laughs> it's to. It's my passion in life to drive a truck that crushes the naked man of job, injustice. <laughs> somebody's job is to um fasten a blurred out dong on Master Chief. Right, and not like, just once. Multiple, multiple times, time. and multiple times, multiple right. different dongs. Yeah, yeah. different dongs. Did you see that one too? <laughs> no. Is that... uh, okay. That was actually one of the references where I'm like, "Oh, I get that," and it's ludicrous enough that it would work without me knowing the reference. I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. Cortana's watching while he happens to be urinating, and he's uh, embarrassed that it was so small because he was urinating and you know not literally fucking at the moment. Right. And there's your comedy. That is a Seinfeld conversation. It's literally a Seinfeld conversation. Cruder and in a ridiculous context. I was in the Nova pool. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I was busy fighting for justice. <laughs> there's shrinkage that occurs. Flood shrinkage. Hmm. Um, nah. <laughs> that, a, a joke they Look, could make. Would you yeah, get it? That would be the five the relegated to the 10 second pin. Yeah, um, it does feel like there's a hierarchy of these of these clips. No, it does, but it also feels like they didn't toss anything away. Like well, everything, just like. Do you remember any of like the three second bullshit jokes? No, I I just saw like a whole bunch of them and they, none of them stuck. Did you enjoy them as a collective? I enjoyed them as they as they hit. I just don't yeah. remember any of them. No, I, 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 it's weird because we take notes. I took notes, and I didn't. I wrote down Naria one, mm-hmm. and I guess that's kind of what the intention is. They don't want you to focus on these ten second buffer cartoons while they're getting to the next one that they're actually kind of proud of, right? But they don't want it to just be dead air either. And I appreciate the palate cleanse. Yeah. Uh, I have one more thing to say about the intro. We sure. talked about it a second ago. The music. Yeah. I had a distinct thought, and I want you to fact check on this 
for me because you are a musicman and I am not. It sounds to me like calliope music as imagined by Daft Punk. It's a little steampunk. Yeah, but de- there's definitely a carnival to it. Yeah, I agree. I, I I don't know the exact instrumentation, but if you were to tell me, hey, this is a calliope with some unnecessary gears glued on, I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> and let, let's just throw it down right now so people can tell what we're talking about. The The whole, like... There's there's many ways to do carnival. Sonic has shown us this. Uh, one of my favorite ways is creepy carnival. I like Zane. I'm there's two types of people in this world. Oh, there's God. happy happy carnival music people and sad carnival music people. And this <laughs> leans decidedly towards sad carnival music people. It's kind of an evil manic, really. Well, I mean, yeah, and that that fits with the framing device, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's supposed to be both goofy and a little disturbed. Yeah, the mad scientist has gotten control of the walnut machine. Right. right. <laughs> Those are for walnuts, sir. They're not uh, for death lasers. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I like the way it sounds. I think it is, uh, it, it gets you in the mood, right? Like, that sort of yeah. jarring, lilting, but not atonal melody. It's not atonal. It does have, like, a very... It, it it sounds poorly mixed by design to me like the mm-hmm. the the focus the focus of the whatever the like front melody is it sounds like a little too loud and like a little too fast like there is a I don't know what the music term is to where something almost fits but doesn't quite oh I I it's the same thing it. that it's the same thing we came across in Trigun, where like the 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 metronome of the gun clicks was just like very slightly off, and it made our brains glow. It's called syncopation, but the word that my brain first spat out was risotto. Risotto syncopation. <laughs> That's a ten second segment. <laughs> um. Yeah. No, I I I like it too. It was one of those things that like. There's a certain bucket of music like cartoon intros that I, if i haven't heard them for a while i'm not going to think of them on my own but the second i hear like a measure of it it all comes flooding back and this is kind of them. it's kind of like how you can tell aqualung is playing by two notes yep <laughs> banana <laughs> sitting there it is. on the park bench um yeah i i think the i, I want to talk more about the action figures and the stop motion of it all oh yes Sorry to uh, guide you away from that. No, no, I mean, I didn't have a lot to say about the music. Um, but it is it is worth talking about the intentionality here, right? Stop motion is an effort-heavy medium. We've, we've discussed this many times. It's a um, labor of love, almost like by necessity. But it really feels like the right choice for this for several reasons. First off, just the ability to parody things and make you know kind of take you away from the reality of something that could make it feel a bit more um upsetting right the the upsetting bits like were when there was too much friction in the content for the messenger to clean up like when when the violence was too abrupt and savage and pointless i don't care how stick figure your characters are like we came across this in the flash animation episode there's an amount of violence that stick figure gets you 
Like mm-hmm. there's the there's a buffer there, and the violence is okay. And then there's a violence that is too visceral for even stick figure magic to cover up. Yes, this um, does a lot, but not everything. Right, and that's why I'm so glad they pivoted from the let's just have it as violent as we can make it because there are no rules here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also useful for its modular nature, right? You don't need to have a super well defined character. Iron Man and Captain America just swap out the head and the clothes. Like you don't need to reinvent yeah. the wheel every time. It's it's a cost saving measure. And then finally, like it puts you in the atmosphere of I'm playing action figures with the boys, right? Like playing with the toys in my toy chest, but I'm also drinking a beer. This I think is the most important aspect of the show. I think we touched on it earlier, but I'm kind of surprised you brought that up third because I think it dwarfs the other two reasons by a country mile the point of the animation is to make it feel like you are reliving your childhood with an adult's perspective which mm-hmm. is a shot straight to my heart as i'm sure it is to yours <laughs> right we are carton we're casters. not so different you and i this is all we do <laughs> but we talked about how it's important when when the reference fails the comedy comes from hey we're playing with action figures we know Rainbow Bright should probably not be smoking that much marijuana. Right. And that's, you you know, there's, when the references fall down, when the content doesn't hit, the context is still really powerful. We're still playing with action figures, and we're still hearing jokes from somebody who was making jokes about these action figures for decades before yep. they put it on the screen. Mm-hmm. We are talking to a confederate. We are talking to <laughs> the good somebody... Kind. The good confederate. <laughs> uh, My new romance novel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're on fire today. I feel bad because like, you should be the tired one. And yes, I am you tired. Are, you are making all the punchy jokes. I am the chicken. Uh, the chicken that flaps in the Ludovico machine. Nope. Ten second barrel. The when when you hear the jokes and they don't hit, you're still watching somebody who is playing with their action figures and making up voices for them in the same way that you did. It transports you. The fact that they keep going back to G.I. Joe, Transformers and, you know, all of these other things is telling you that you are definitely talking to somebody who was born in a very specific decade and if you're near that decade, this is a friend. Uh, the parasocial relationship point that you made is so important. It, it's something yeah. I didn't get until I ha- started having YouTubers I followed. It's like, no, I want, I want to feel like I am being talked to personally. It yeah. is not enough for me to watch a Simpsons episode that has been like, painstakingly crafted to appeal to the broader viewing audience i want the person who has lived my i want somebody to tell me (laughs) about all the dumb things in sonic adventure 2 i was good i was actually about to talk about sonic because no come on this is yeah so this this show is by man children for man children um but (laughs) for youtube i watch two different youtubers who one by one are going through every sonic game for like 
45 minute video essays a piece over the course That's of amazing. many years. Were they talking about like the parallax and how it like improved or they're, going, the they're talking about everything. They're talking about the story, the, you know, the, the, the ethos, the production history, the production. They're talking about everything. My God. About the game feel, about how it fits into the context of where gaming was at the time, man. Where's the chapter that of, of Mia, Miyamoto getting stalked at a circus that <laughs> just keeps on? Oh, that's not Miyamoto. I'm sorry. Yeah. Scrap uh, it. <laughs> but what happens is I'm not the guy who kept up with Sonic for all those years, right? I didn't play 06 and the Black Knight and all that I stuff. I just had to explain to my boss what... No, no, not my boss. My my um, my friend a couple doors down. I just had to explain that Sonic used to be fluffy little animal hitting things, and then became a guy who transforms into a werewolf, wields a sword, and kisses human females. Right. <laughs> so I I was pretty wild. I wasn't in Sonic for all of that, but I'm the kind of guy who could have been, and I want to know what a guy like me thinks about that because I'm not. It's easier than me doing it myself. It's the same kind of thing that we got in Kid Rad as well, where, like, yeah. this is very clearly Mario 2. Yep. You know? <laughs> and, and, like, once you recognize that, everything feels a little more familiar. You, mm-hmm. you feel as though it's... It, I guess I'm surprised by how much it is important. There's an, um, there's an element to creating media that the point of it might not be the content of the media, the point of it, like there's, there's a huge portion of it that is connecting with your audience. And I never realized how important the reverse was also true. How much can your audience connect to you? Yeah. By viewing your, your stuff. How invested can, can you make them? Um, Yeah. Like there's really good in my head. Have you, have you seen um, Carol and Tuesday? Yeah. Yeah. You showed it to me. Yeah. There's, the basics of that is that we've reached a post-creative society wherein all music is be kind of being created by AIs because it it's all figured out the perfect formula. Yeah. This is actually, it's very similar to Marvel movies where like they figured out a formula that appeals to most people and now it's all trash and the content hasn't really changed that much. Mm-hmm. It's just that the audience has figured out that they're just selling to a nameless consumer and not to you, the guy who watched the Iron Man cartoon in the 80s. Right. That's the difference. I'm I'm really curious what a person with my comedic sensibilities would get out of the show who does not have any of my references or nostalgia. Like Yeah, because like, then you're then you're grappling not with the per, the creator behind the the scenes. You are grappling with the content only. Right. And that probably robs you of a whole hell of a lot of the enjoyment you would get. But I have no idea how much, right? Is it like seventy percent? Is it It's not know. even enjoyment listeners listeners of the Carton cast, think about how much you get I'm gonna bet here's my guess, I'm gonna bet you listen to us primarily for shows that you yourself have watched and have a lot of attachment to. Mm-hmm. This is the same thing I do with my video game podcasts. It's because I feel like I'm talking to somebody who gets it. Or I, you know, am doom scrolling cuz like I want the <laughs> anger. I want to feel mad about somebody's wrong opinions on biker mice from Mars or something. Right, like, yeah. We all You do know, it. the point is you want to feel a connection to the creator. 
Yes. And if you don't feel that, I think that's kind of where this show really shines is that it, it, it is, it gives you an unambiguous, definite view into what action figures the creators had growing up. That is so key. It gives you, it gives you a very predictable messenger. You know, the style you're going to get, but it's a grab bag of message right you don't know what specific references or nostalgia things you're going to get reminded right. of and so it's like buying that bag of shiny rocks what's in right. there <laughs> well and also the message we shouldn't say that the messenger doesn't work i also just like watching action figures in stop motion that's just so fun it's not yeah. done a lot yeah and especially when it's a childhood icon that probably has not aged super well mm-hmm. like that's I know I talked a lot and of we, shit about the, know the Tarzan like... hitting branches, but the notion of Tarzan in stop motion, anim- stop motion animation as an action figure, drunk, is is a perfect concept. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it can't and fail. Because of what we saw with Kablam and Action League now, we know that the style has appeal on its own with fresh new characters, even yes. if they were archetypes. Action League now and Prometheus and Bob were definitely the cornerstones of kablam and this is more or less taking both Both elements of that (laughs) and then just adding a bunch of 80s pop culture references Mm -hmm. um zane i'm getting the feeling because you have stated so exactly so this is a pretty well researched feeling (laughs) that you appreciate this show a lot Uh uh-huh i'd like to ask if you enjoyed it yeah i think I'm in the same I I enjoy it less than I appreciate it. It's but I still enjoyed it. It's a willingness to enter the magic circle that they are providing. Yeah. I would enjoy it more if I was watching it with other people, not other people who don't share the same comedic sensibilities. No, no, no. Like no. They're my grad school buddies. <laughs> I think you and I could watch this together and have a yes. really fun time. With a with a beer. And yes. they explicitly said like one of the reasons that our models are so simple and we are keeping things so consistent is we know a significant portion of the audience is going to be high not all of them it's got to have general (laughs) appeal but it's always going to be there (laughs) i i think that's a false positive that they're getting though because like i think the animation style works not because we're high but because we want the action figure we want that parasocial feeling like we're talking to somebody who has reverence for tarzan but not so much reverence that we can't make fun of how stupid he is but what we would want that more if we were high i think is the oh i see listen we can't touch that that uh that that sphere of content Mm -hmm. that's that's out there in the ether i don't know how it works um i have a uh an interesting production note that really tickled me um that i think gets to your conception that these people are really enamored of their own pop culture and are willing to like go to efforts to convey that yeah one of the stop motion engineers um rigged up a nintendo power glove with bluetooth to make operating the camera easier while he was like moving the figures around that's that's that couldn't have been done for efficiency of any sort (laughs) right well what fits better on your hand than a nintendo power glove it's like being in the womb I guess anything, really. <laughs> anything like, that was bigger than my hand. It's like when you sleep on your hand and you put a power uh, glove on and it's like... Feels like Flo putting a power glove on your hand from Progressive. Exactly. <laughs> That's, that, that does 
fit with my conception of who these people are. I really mm. like, you know, I I just, I'm kind of amazed. I'm coming to this fresh, this feeling. Like, I'm amazed by how much it matters to me that my creators are not considering me the faceless, you know, opiate of the masses consumer. Yeah, it, it's, it's more targeted than that. Um, I'm just surprised by how that much that matters to me. I, I didn't realize that this was a thing that I needed from my media, but it clearly is. I mean, that, that's one of the reasons why it's so hard to separate, I think, our appreciation of the medium from the message here, because yeah. the action figures are part of the I don't think nostalgia it's, they're going for. It's but not I, separable. Yeah, by I, design. I That's the thing. I want to see this art form and this style done for someone else with reference you know like did they do there a, should be a robot a, chicken for every season did they do it in a robot Green in Gables? every chicken <laughs> <laughs> that's that's quite good did they, they have do? an Anne of green gables sketch i don't know i don't know anything about it it's not for me i'm right. curious what their take is on it or somebody who who has that attachment to that property um, but I'm not going to see it, right? What's this look like in other cultures? I don't know. It just happened to be my genre. <laughs> right. Well, it, it very, like the Venn diagram of their reference pool and your history were pretty, pretty intermarried. And there are, there's like a penumbra to that Venn yeah. diagram where like you get the idea because of osmosis through pop culture, but you don't, I saw one with um, the babysitter clubs, the babysitter's club, uh crossovering with a slasher movie yeah like a slasher thriller and like right. i recognize the name babysitter's club I, i'd be hard pressed to tell you what it's about but like the media the the actual product told me yeah it's in kind of this sphere that you were aware of but not quite familiar yeah. enough they they did a um carry like the the prom where they splash blood on her thing and she goes crazy but it was the Alice Mack from the Ninte from the uh, Nickelodeon show where the girl turns into a puddle. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, the the Secret Life of Alex Mack. She gets hit by um like uh, chemicals and now she has telekinesis and she can turn into a puddle. Why? Whoa, 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 Zane. <laughs> Hang on a second. I'm I'm breaking news, everyone. I'm I'm observing a uh, cartoon <laughs> or a show. That Zane is familiar with from the Nicktoons era that I am not, and I have it's live so many action. questions. It's not a cartoon. No, no, no. I know. I, I'm familiar with the Hundred Deeds of Eddie McDowd. I assume that this is a similar thing. It was. It was in the same era. Yeah, it was the same programming block. Zane, but, but give me everything you remember about this. Uh, this melt woman. Here's the thing. With the I power didn't need to, to remember melt. Every, anything because they explained everything I needed to know in the scene. They didn't explain the carry stuff. Because that's a more that one is understood, yeah, right. And it probably also fits the um, nostalgia of Alex Mack. Like my guess is that like every episode starts off with like an Eliza Thornberry. This is the shit that happened to me. Kind of explanation. It feels like they've really taken multiple edits to figure out what needs to be communicated, what is archetypical enough that we don't have to explain it, and what is just going to be a reference for people who want it. I honestly got the feeling that it wasn't editing. It was just instinct. I don't I don't have yeah. any <laughs> like I don't have any um, data points to suggest that that's the case. But like the notion that, hey, we're doing an Alex Mack thing. Does anyone know Alex Mack? No, it's just, just 
let's just put it in like let's let's <laughs> let's explain what we need to like that it seems very natural to me for somebody sure. who is familiar with alex mack you mm-hmm. know like i'm never going to do something so uncouth as to say like the flesh and assume that my audience knows who i'm talking about right. that would be ridiculous <laughs> you have instincts for that um you mentioned like the uh the overlap of my sensibilities specifically yeah. Um, for the Robot Chicken DC Comics special, um, they actually had a lot of input from Jeff Johns, the guy who, he's one of my favorite authors in the DC. He's the guy who took Green Lantern and said, what if it was more gimmicky? So I'm, I'm a big fan. <laughs> Is he responsible for any Booster Gold shenanigans? Oh, baby, you know If it. only. <laughs> um, and he, he had a lot of input on it, and, like... Zane, you're editing this episode, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know if my heart could take it. <laughs> I don't know how much Booster Gold I can, <laughs> I can cram in here. Okay, how many times is the Flash changing his own backstory? I don't... <laughs> <laughs> um, but when they did the DC uh, uh, specials, when they were writing it, they had to impose a no Aquaman joke rule because half of the jokes <laughs> were like, like they know what's too easy and too obvious. They do want like, you to work an, a little bit for it or at least have that background. Like how Doc Hammer put a moratorium on uh, on Star Wars references in uh, yeah. Venture Brothers. Yeah, exactly. I like and, that. And Seth Green has enough pull in like actual actor circles that he could get a lot of celebrities to voice things. Yeah, that's the other thing is that like, I guess we didn't really talk too much about Seth Green. Um, it bears mentioning that he's... It feels like he's sort of slumming it a little bit with this property. Maybe because it's action figures and stuff and, like, kind of cornball jokes and, like... It's it's not highbrow by any stretch. But, like, it's... I you mean, would look at the people who made Robot Chicken and were like... Why is someone from Austin Powers debasing themselves? Why is do, do you know what I mean? I know of in here. <laughs> yeah, it, it does it, kind of if, feel like he's slumming it a bit. But if he wasn't in Family Guy, this is what he would be most known for now, right? Like nobody would be like, "Oh, the guy from the couple seasons of Buffy." I only know him for like I I primarily know him from Austin Powers. Austin Powers is primed for a fourth movie. <laughs> About what, Zane? Well, uh, with Scott taking over the business, right? It's like the Ghostbusters re- reboot. It's like all those shows that are coming back for specials. Okay, Zane, walk me through this. Who's the protagonist? It can't be Mr. Austin himself. Why not? It's got to be Mike some Meyer's sort of beeper. He was, you liked him in the Pentaveret? I did like him in the Pentaveret. He could play anyone. And also him in the Pentaveret. Michael Caine's not dead Pentaveret. yet, I assume. <laughs> but what is Scott? He's, it, what, he, I mean, he's just going to be like a... Uh, like a like an Eric Trump trying to get his dad to love him or what? I mean, kind of, yeah. And then Austin's going to say, like, you can't keep reliving the past. They're going to do a whole meta thing. I kind of like that. Zane, did you just sell me on Austin Powers 4? Yeah, that's the power robot chicken. It gives you a lot of yes and energy. <laughs> the spy who goldened my member? Ooh, nah, we'll, we'll do a couple, a couple more drafts there. That was, my fr- that was the first draft. That was just <laughs> off the hip. Yeah, well, a little lower. Like than my member. Hip. Yes, my my dog. <laughs> like my Magic Johnson. <laughs> Bring it back. Now I can't cut that part out. No, you have to keep it all in. I don't think I'm going to edit anything out. You Do you want to keep the, like, 15 seconds of silence where you have to leave the room and then come back? 
<laughs> that yeah. one I'm li- I'm willing to let you slide on. But all Thank the camera you. fixing stuff. Well, I'll put in. I'll put something in during that time. Maybe um, Calliope music, sad and or happy. Uh, I don't know where to put this, but in terms of like celebrities who have been involved with this, I definitely like they played a Weird Al song, and Weird Al was there as Weird Al. Oh, of course, he's been he's been giving a nut punch to DC properties for a while now. Like, like he was like Dark Side in on. Teen Titans. That's so good. In Teen Titans Go. But apparently, all the action figures from that shot in his White and Nerdy video. Those are these guys' action figures. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, that's so good. Like I'm the so fact ha- that they have connections kind of raises the like it makes it it it, it makes this a little more genteel than it sh- feels like it should be, right? It's extremely genteel. I went and looked because I was worried. Because like Seth Green has the notoriety. He's got the face of somebody who might have jumped into some scandal. There's no controversy section of his Wikipedia. I'm led to believe that he just creates a bunch of shit. He's just a nice young man. Do you think a person not in our entertainment circle could distinguish that this is of a higher quality than, say, a Squidbillies or a Crank Yankers? No, I don't think so. Because this got rejected from Mad TV when they pitched it. Yeah, it's... And saying I didn't realize it until we started talking about it, and I realized just how important the reverence for the source material and the feeling like we're talking to the right to the people who get it mm-hmm. is to this. I originally came in on this being like, "Yeah, oh, it's fine. This is just, this is just Family Guy shit." <laughs> um, but that course correction matters so much, and you have the the respect for the author because you feel like the author is talking to you specifically that you give them the benefit of the doubt that they have changed for the better since those early seasons. Like it all coheres together. It 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 coheres together in a way that makes me want to create a permission structure for this to be well appreciated. Like yeah. I I don't I don't have. It's not. The the content is is so secondary to the context of this show. Yeah. Like I honestly, I think that if you didn't have the respect for the creator because he is showing you that same respect, I don't think this show would be that good. Hmm. Like if you if you got the feeling like it was faceless bureaucrats who were like, What's in these days? Marvel. Uh and then yeah. created some sort of Marvel spoof spoof we've seen spoofs go bad we've lived through the whole you know remember the spartans age or right. meet the spartans we, we lived through scary movie and 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 epic movie and all that shit like we know what it's like to be pandered to by through parody the fact that we know we're not being pandered to is the primary sell of this and of it's this not work. it's not because the creator's are dumbing it down for us it's because they're as dumb as us it's the same kind of thing i used to be a teaching assistant in grad school and like the reason i was an effective teaching assistant is because i thought about it in the same way that students did like Mm -hmm. i was like i don't understand exactly how this works here's how i think about it this is the reference i i pull whenever i want to like make sense of this and professors can't do that they're talking to entire like hundred student lecture rooms and they have not been doing homework for 30 years like and also they're they're self-sorted from a group that probably didn't have as much of trouble with it right yeah it's same idea like 
you have to talk to someone on your level for these jokes to hit. If mm. they think they're that much better than you, they're not going to hit. And um, I know I'm just saying the same thing over and over again, but for emphasis, I think it is important that it matters. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, like, it's like when a YouTuber appears, and I don't know how much of a facade it is, appears to just be another person who's had a, like, similar relationship with a pop culture thing as you and you want to kind of see it out when a youtuber shows some kind of vulnerability or like cops to a mistake that they made it's 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 it buys you so much credit it makes me want to view all of your other products with the same degree of humility well and there's that's that's never going to be that's never going to happen again for a Simpsons or a Family Guy. It's it's right. too, it's because too pedigree. F- finely crafted to a specific s- audience. It's too um, well worn ground it for me to give that benefit of doubt. It cares too much about its doubt. own lore, about its own like legacy. I'm not certain that that's true. Uh, the, so, these these shows don't necessarily behave like they used to. Well, well maybe the, somewhat. The, the, they care that you know, that people still respect this. Um, I, I think... They care it, enough not to rock the apple cart. That's is, not you, the metaphor. It is nice to have the humility of uh, of, of an author and to show that they are, you know, considerate. I don't want so much humility where they tell me all about their personal troubles and I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of just here for your pop culture opinions. Like, I want the confidence as well. And I think yes. Robot Chicken hits both. I do think that, yeah. I don't want no humility. Right. But I don't want all humility. Like, there's mm-hmm. there's YouTubers I follow that, you know, they talk, they, they sometimes come out with videos like, hey, I know I was going to do a video this week, mental health shit, seeing my family, bunch of shit's fucked up, death in the family, my, my job is going weird, I just need a few weeks. I, that will buy you so much goodwill that I'm never, <laughs> I, it will, it will take a lot to overcome that, like, just bro i'm just i'm just trying to trying to get back into the swing of things give me a mm. while like i uh i hope that this this episode is like connecting with people in some way <laughs> shape or form because like these are not thoughts that often come to me and i don't know how well they are resonating the, these are thoughts for the most part for this entire episode that have been coming in real time <laughs> <laughs> you've been seeing it happen on the screen because it it does like when you watch the show you are in you are zoomed in and when you talk about the show you you have to zoom out and it's just surprising how well it coheres how how well there is a macro structure to what we are seeing yeah and and to your point about talking about like would a casual viewer see it as squid billies probably it, it's it maybe is the benefit of being in the in group is that you can see that the intent is coming from a, a real place of familiarity and reverence, and that makes all the difference. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'd be really curious to hear from people who, um, you know, didn't like it because of the style or didn't like it because of the pop culture specifics. Yeah, it, it, for anyone who hasn't, like, who doesn't like Robot Chicken, first of all, I fucking get it. Like, there's, <laughs> yeah, that's the there's, thing. <laughs> There's 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 a lot of this show that I I don't laugh at and I'm like why is that a joke you're telling me that yeah. is 
at best stupid and at worst offensive. There, there's a lot and of corn just talking in about lucky charms. There is. There's a. There's a. It's it's a preponderance of cornmeal. It's still worth sifting through. But like, and it's not only in the first few seasons. There's just a lot of gutter balls in the later seasons. They're not as problematic, but they are gutter balls. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't blame anyone who bounces off of this. But I do want to hear what they think about that parasocial relationship. If they feel they're being pandered to, all the things we talked about, I would be very interested to hear their take. Mm-hmm. And that that's why I think. The way to summarize our feelings on this show is I appreciate it a lot more than I like it, but I still kind of like it. Yeah. Yeah, same. Yeah. And I didn't think well of Seth Green before this. Like, he was that dipshit no, Scotty. Yeah, he was just some guy. How 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 could I revere that or, or honor that or, you know, respect that in any way? This show is the show that made me respect Seth Green. Wow. So brave. I'm a brave. Why would I say something so brave yet controversial? <laughs> um, and that is Robot Chicken. Brave. Yet I would controversial. love to see that. I would love to see that reference in a, in a ten second Robot Chicken like take on a on some. You know how would Robot Chicken do memes? Oh, they just hmm, hmm. right? Because you can't you can't make that a two minute thing, right? It doesn't uh, work. One, one would hope not. It would have to be. It's got to be those 10-second segments. Yeah, I'm not sure. I feel like they've done, like, old memes, like the knowing is half the battle thing. Like, I feel like they've repackaged That's that. That's barely... Im- I don't even know if that counts as a meme. Like, not yeah. in the... Not in the... I'm talking about meme in the... Um, uh, angry lady at cat variety. Or the guy checking out hotter girl while girlfriend looks looks uh unamused it's interesting that that is also a subsection of like pop culture that some people get in some wind but it, i don't think it it's growing with, i don't think it's the same one it's growing though like it'd be it'd be foolish not to at least play in that territory i don't know how well it would communicate through this medium i bet it could I bet they could manage through 10 second things or maybe like a meta narrative around all the memes and like, uh, but, but the... again, they have to emphasize the character relationship. So it's like, do we see the scene after the guy looking at that other girl, like him talking to his current girlfriend and then like walking, like talking through like, it? yeah, figuring out what, like, like having a, like a conversation in a therapist office kind of thing, like a couple's counselor, like, Listen, I I I recognize I fucked up. This is just like going through the hard work of it, and then maybe the girl doing the exact same thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, there it is. Charlie bit my finger. Oh, Charlie's wearing a muzzle now. Ten seconds. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I I feel like we could write on this show. Is, yeah, is it, 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 it kind of gives feel you the hard. confidence. Yeah, it you doesn't feel craft. hard. And like the the best thing about it is we don't have to throw anything out. Right. We're probably quartered not to throw anything out. <laughs> like, this is a 100% recycled facility. It's a, they, it's a, they're hoarders. They have to, they have to use every, everything that they, uh, everything they've ever thought of. Mm-hmm. More horses. <laughs> More. God, I want to know horse. what that means. <laughs> um, ben, ben um, what kind of horses are we looking at next time? Next time, we are looking at, uh, one might say, the most pedigreed horse of the millennium. There we go. Try again? <laughs> no. No, Zane. I can't. I just have Shit. to be more confident about it. 
Zane, next time we're talking about the most pedigreed horse of the millennium. Freakazoid. Ah, yes. Nay, that noble nay. steed. The noble steed and his jockey Cosgrove. <laughs> have you uh, have you been watching any of the Freakazoid yet? No, I was I was I was glutted on chicken and gears. Mm-hmm. My it's, man. It's um a lot more miss than I remember. I I the hit still could, hit. Yeah, I um that was that is probably what I'm going to find as well, but I'm looking forward to it anyway because of Look, Animaniacs gave us a a, a plethora of zaniness. Mhm. We didn't really marinate in one segment of it for a while. Right. And I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how much you... I guess they also had, like, uh, Hero Boy and Fat Man and... and uh, yeah, go- goofy superheroics, like... Goofy, yeah, more tightly quantified Animaniacs, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, who was the one with the magic sack of corn? The Huntsman. The Huntsman. We'll have plenty to say about all those characters. It's I gonna honestly, be a whole thing. I'm. I think we talked about the Huntsman before from American I, I, Dragon Jake Long. I think we're going to talk about the intro songs to all of these characters a lot more than the actual, like episodes of these characters. I mean, the the um the 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 music technology and orchestral score behind all all of those shows of that era were kind of spotless. So yeah. that mm-hmm. does not surprise me, Zane. Those are the horses we're talking about next time. How about after that? Well, Ben, um, it's yeah. movie time again. And since it's right around the big 200, I figured let's do something that we've been meaning to look at for a long time. And in fact, it's been a, a, a bit of an in-joke on the podcast for the last several years that you still haven't seen it. We're going to watch Inside Out. <laughs> I was kind of hoping that I could continually reference it for another hundred episodes. (laughs) No, no, we got to make sure we get it in. (laughs) All right, all right. I I I guess we're watching Inside Out then. I saw Inside Out referenced in Robot Chicken episode um, where it's like, do do you know the basic conceit of Inside Out? There's like people in your head of different emotions. Isn't that just like Raven from Teen Titans? Yeah, well, you know, they're, they're not wearing those short leotards. Zane, why not? (laughs) <laughs> they're cowards <laughs> you know when you put your leotard on too tight and it kind of starts to feel like you're putting on the leotard of flow from progressive <laughs> write this down write this down <laughs> <laughs> no but it was like uh it was like looking inside of a person's head and then it looks inside of the emotion of fear's head so you get like five fears and one of them is just angry fear and mm-hmm. you know kind of that's kind of actually there. it's like that's and actually it goes into good. an inception scene like from inception that's also very good. Yeah, see, that's the thing. That they're so they're so unconstrained. They're they're so precise, and <laughs> and they're not trying to. Who are who are they? Who are they marketing for with the Inside Out Inception crowd? Fucking no one. <laughs> I don't know people who like good movies. <laughs> Is that chosen? <laughs> yeah oh when are we gonna watch chosen wasn't me must have been somebody about. else who liked good movies <laughs> um probably never but if you guys want to talk to us about i have thoughts about robot chicken i still want to see him or uh inside out or freakazoid 
you can go to fancybat.com slash cartoncast and leave a comment on the contact page. And then do whatever else you're going to do that day, <laughs> including perhaps leaving a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out and validates our existence. And more than anything else, please tell your friends about the show. Let's um let's each pick uh let's on the count of three pick a pop culture thing. We'll each say it at the same time, and yeah. let's figure out a sketch for the outro. That sounds great. Okay, just a second. Hang on, hang on. I gotta. I was just gonna say more horses, and now I want to make that, an actual that, go. With it. <laughs> well, I appreciate hang on a that. Hang on a second. Are you also just looking around your room? No, I'm I'm deep I'm deep in my in my own mind brain. I'm I'm in, I'm in the craw. I'm in the craw. I'm deep in the craw. Okay, got one. Okay. Three, two, two one. one. Storybots. Jack Black. What was yours? Storybots. <laughs> nice. Jack Black on <laughs> Jack Black on Storybots. They're like, uh, Mr. Mr. Jack Black, um, where do the rainbows come from? Out of well, my butt. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you that through song. Let there me was tell a you story about <laughs> it was an almighty wizard. Yep. <laughs> Honestly, we could make Robot Chicken too. You want to micro? I mean, it's the thing where like, it's like off the top of the head writing process, and then the most laborious, like, actual shooting of the show you can imagine. Well, laborious in certain ways, and then just like googly eyes on a Lego man. Okay, you know, like, <laughs> but look at—I I forgot to mention just how much these action figures move that they no, don't they actually move to. a good amount <laughs> like so you're kinetic. never getting you're never getting early south park characters from this like these mm. are actually like yeah they don't have many expressions but when you think about the sheer variety of the of of you know models that they make they can't you can't mm-hmm. do that um <laughs> yeah no i i it's it's actually it, from just an animation standpoint an eminently watchable show which is to its credit. Yep. Zane, I unjoked us out of the outro. I think we need to think of two more pop culture. I, that's exactly what I was angling for. <laughs> okay, three, two, two, one. One. Frosty Elon the Musk. <laughs> oh, they gotta they gotta track down Elon Musk to put a hat on him so he turns into a real man and not the weirdo <laughs> not cryptid. The, not the gross not the, not the cryptid baby man. <laughs> but then he melts. But maybe he'll learn a lesson. I no nope. and hearts, scene. <laughs> hearts grew three sizes that day is Grinch. That's not good. <laughs> well, they're you got related. me. You got me locked in a Christmas Carol hole. Yeah, welcome to Christmas. Good night, everyone. Welcome to the Christmas hole. <laughs> <laughs>